So we're in this series on the disciplines. And when I looked at the preaching calendar and saw that Kurt had slotted me in for this um, week, I had a little bit of a heart attack. Because this week is on solitude and silence. And if you know me just a little bit, you know that silence is probably not how you know me. You know me by talking. Lots of words. Um, I'm often on my phone or on my computer, and most of the time I'm with people running from appointment to appointment, from work life to mom life, sometimes to wife life, and my phone is constantly buzzing and with me all the time. Notifications, emails, messages, phone calls, constantly. Um, in fact, I carry my phone with me so much that if I leave a room without it, I feel weird. Like, what's wrong? What's missing? Um, I know it's sick, but it's true. So when Kurt asked me to speak on silence and solitude, I did a little bit of a cringe, knowing that if Kurt asked me to speak on something, that meant that the Lord was going to do some work in my heart. Which, I'm happy when God works in my heart, but also knew that it was going to be hard for me. So I am just going to say, would y'all pray with me this morning, um, that whatever God wants to do, or whatever he wants us to hear, he would speak through us, or through me. Lord, I just pray this morning that your voice would be heard, that what you want to say would reach our ears and our hearts and our minds today. Let the words that I speak, God, be your words. Whatever I don't say, Lord, let the silence be yours as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I got started on this, I mean, I have had this assignment for a good little while. So it's not like Kurt just said, hey, Jen, could you do this like next week? No, he gave me this assignment. Like my hands are sweating. He gave me this assignment like two months ago, I think. So it's, I've had time to prepare. And if y'all know me a little bit, anybody know the Enneagram? Do y'all know what that is? Well, I'm not really very familiar with it, but my kids are, and so they've told me a lot about it, and I know enough to like get me in trouble. But I know that I identify on the Enneagram as a three, and a three is um, an achiever. She likes to accomplish things, do things, and do them well. And so... That is probably very characteristic of me. I'm very driven, um, and I love to win. Um, I really love to win. <laughs> so I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> anyway, so this um, being unprepared is really unlike me. So I just hope y'all be gracious with me this morning. Um, Barton, um, she, this book is what Kurt gave me to read and study to do this. It's called, uh, it's Ruth Haley Barton's Invitation to Solitude and Silence as a Spiritual Discipline. And I read this book, like, listened to it on audiobook, driving, because I never have an unproductive moment in my day. I'm not even kidding. Like, all the time, I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm listening to a podcast. Um, if it's silent in my car, it's literally because I do not have the moment to 
put on something else because I'm running to another appointment. So it's just constant. So I was listening to this on audiobook, and it was not until I ordered the actual physical book and got it in my hands and started to read it that I realized I took a moment to go, oh, wait, it's not, it's not even silence and solitude. It's, it's actually invitation to solitude and silence, experiencing God's transforming presence. So I want to say that that is what I'm going to talk about today. It's an invitation. And it's an invitation from God to come and be with him in quiet places, alone, away from all the busyness and the distractions and the buzzing and the demands. Barton describes it this way. For it is a wonderful thing to be invited, not coerced or manipulated, but truly invited to the home of someone you've looked forward to getting to know, to a party with fun people, on a date with someone who's intriguing. The invitation to solitude and silence is just that. It's an invitation to enter more deeply into the intimacy of relationship with the one who waits just outside the noise and busyness of our lives. It's an invitation to communication and communion with the one who's always present, even when our awareness has been dulled by distraction. It's an invitation to the adventure of spiritual transformation in the deepest places of our being. I have found for me that I have seasons where I um, have a lot more time to be in solitude and silence. This season in my life is not that. I'm a real estate agent, I'm busy, I'm in my car a lot, I'm driving a lot, I'm going and I'm doing. But that's just my work. There's an internal busyness that's always at work in me. There, I've noticed that there is a buzz and a hum that's just this underlying, like, a, like I can hear this little buzz up here, of like the feedback or the speakers or something, but it's like that is what is the internal buzz inside of me. Um, it runs like on its own little frequency of anxiety. And so in my life, I have found I'm very clever and have lots of little ways to drown out that anxiety buzz for myself from, you know, Netflix binging or a game on my phone or reading books or just all kinds of things. And maybe you have different things that you do that drown out the buzz in your life. But for me, I have found that I have lots of tricks and ways that I do things to keep myself so full and so busy so that I don't have to sit still and listen to the internal things that are happening in my heart. But God is gracious with me, and he continues to invite. Just like she said, he, can, he invites us over for dinner. He invites me to be in his presence. And I think it's in that presence of, with God that it's, um, it's just a being, a sense of being. So when I was thinking about this, the best way that I could think about how this experience feels for me when I actually participate in this solitude and silence with God, um, I was reminded, I have four children, they're all big now. If any of them sat in my lap at this point, they would 
probably crush me, but um, especially my baby, who's the biggest one. Anyway, so um, I was thinking about when they were really little, and um, they would come to my lap anytime they wanted to. My lap was always open. They would come with sticky fingers and a sticky face and sweaty and grubby and sleepy and snotty and whatever it was. But my lap was always open, and they knew that. And so they would just come and crawl up in my lap and sit. You know, sometimes our kids are, you know, demanding, and they have stuff they want and all that. But then there's times that they would just crawl into my lap for no other reason than to just be and just rest and just be held. And I have found that that is really the closest thing that I identify with when I come into God's presence and be with him in silence and solitude with no words, with no demands and no request, just being in his presence. I let my heart rest in his care for me. And that is a journey for me all on its own because sometimes I don't trust God that much or believe that he's going to come through for me or even believe that he's going to show up in that space with me. But he has never failed me. In fact, when I was preparing this, I sat with the Lord one day and I was doing the practice and I heard the Lord say my name. And the Lord doesn't usually say my name. He usually calls me other things, but he actually said Jennifer. And it startled me. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Okay, you are here. All right. And I think that's part of the experiencing God's transforming presence is it is an adventure with a real, living, true God, the person who wants to be with us. Solitude is the time we give ourselves fully to the presence of God to experience him. His heart for us expressing deep intimacy so that we find in this place with him. It's not just the practice of being alone or isolated. It's actually the practice of being with God. So I'm going to try to explain. Now I've explained a little bit about what it is. I hope I've made that somewhat clear. Um, now we'll talk a little bit more about why. And for me, I, I'm kind of a teachery kind of person, so I hope I have enough time. But she takes, the, she takes the scripture from 1 Kings 19, and it's the story of Elijah. And that's what Barton uses in this book a lot. So I'm going to try to unpack that with you guys, and hopefully it'll make sense. Like I said, this is the most unprepared I've ever felt to come and do something. So hopefully we'll just get through this together, and you guys will hear from the Lord with it. So in um, 1 Kings 19, you can turn with me if you want to in your Bibles. The first verse is 19, and it says, um, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So if you don't know the story of what's just happened here, I'll give you a little background. Elijah is the prophet of the Lord. 
And he has been so faithful to God, and he's been tirelessly like trying to speak for God into a rebellious people. Like just they just really were didn't want to hear it. And in this very moment, he um, the king of Israel, Ahab, had married Jezebel. She was a really wicked woman, and she led him astray to worship all these other gods and do much evil in the eyes of the Lord. So in this moment in the story, Elijah has just defeated and destroyed all the prophets of Baal in this super intense showdown that's actually quite comical. If you want to go back and read it, you can, but it's, it's a really cool story. So, um, you know, it was this really intense showdown, and now all these prophets of Baal are dead, and Jezebel is very angry. And Elijah was afraid. So he gets, she sends word and he finds out, you know, of course, she's wanting to kill him. So he's afraid and he runs for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the broom brush and he fell asleep. So here's Elijah, you know, this big thing has just happened, and now he's run for his life, and then he gets to Beersheba, and he tells his servant, his, like, this is like his personal attendant. He's like, okay, you stay here, I'm on by, by myself. And so he goes off into the wilderness, and I think it's important that we see that he went alone. I, a lot of commentaries have different things they say about it, but I find it interesting that he just went on by himself. I think that Sometimes we have so much coming at us, so many things going on, so many people pulling on our time, so many things demanding of us. And even so, where it's so crowded out, where we could be afraid even, like Elijah, and we just say, I need alone. And so I think he was wise to go off. Now, there's, the commentaries are different on why he went alone, but I think it's interesting that he went alone. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, he's going in with God. So he goes a whole day's journey, hikes out there after running all day, and he goes to sleep. I like that he says, I've had enough, too. Right before he goes to sleep, he tells the Lord, I've had enough. Like, that's it. I'm done. I've had enough. And he's exhausted, and he just passes out. I've never run for my life. I've never been like had anybody chasing me and thought I was going to die. There was one time when I did think I was going to die when Stefan and I went jet skiing when we were dating, but clearly I did not die. <laughs> I think that that somehow made it me love him because he saved us. So I don't know, but here we are. Um, but I have been incredibly spent. I have come up to places more often than I like to recall and definitely more recently than I want to admit where I am just slam worn out. Um, in fact, for about six months pretty recently, I felt so overwhelmingly tired that when I would come before God, the only words that would come out were, I'm just so tired. And that was the truest thing I could say. I'm tired. I'm just so tired. And I don't think it was just a, I'm sleepy. I probably am very sleepy. But it was also, I am tired, like in my bones, tired. In my soul, I am tired. 
Like I too have felt like I've been running and running and running and running, trying to keep up with all of the things, all the demands, all the pressures to respond, to be, to show up, to do it. And so I have been exhausted. And I've told God, I can't do another day. I'm worn out. I have nothing else left. I feel completely overwhelmed with all the responsibilities, with the difficult life circumstances that aren't changing, with the pace of life and the demands of it and the pressures to keep up, and all the burdens carrying all of that, that I felt like I'm drowning. Have you ever felt like that? I think that's what Elijah was doing here. You know, I think it's easy to read the text and feel like, oh, he's being so dramatic. But he wasn't being dramatic. He was being sincere with the Lord. And he was saying what was really true in his heart. I've had enough. I have done everything I can do. I've had enough. And the Lord is listening. So the next part of it says, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Then he looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. So sweet Elijah, he probably wouldn't want me to say sweet. He's tough Elijah. He, uh, no sooner had he fallen asleep that this angel comes and, hey, get up, and taps him. So he gets up, and he eats, and then he goes back to sleep. But notice the kindness of God to Elijah's physical body. Even though he needed to sleep, God knew what was coming. And so he wakes him up and he says, eat. And he provided it. Elijah didn't have to go and prepare it. God provided it. He provided the bread and he provided the water. And carbs are biblical. (laughs) So. So then he wakes up. And he eats, Uh, you know, he gets strengthened. And the next verse says, Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave and he spent the night. Now God knows better than Elijah what Elijah needs. Needs. I mean, I think we can all admit that, right? God knows better than what we know, what we need. And we think we know, but God knows better. Um, so, he, you know, he's there going 40 days and 40 nights. Do you all remember some other people that went 40 days and 40 nights? Without food? Without water? He only had that one meal to take him 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. This is the same mountain that Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments. This is the same mountain with Jesus' story. And it's 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness alone. But really, there's one person in the story with him, and that's God through this whole thing. So then the Lord appears to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's like all, he's gotten to this cave finally after 40 days of running, 
and he's resting in this cave and the word comes to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's like all the chaos that had been going on has been settled at this place. And I think there's something that must happen in a long fast like that. I've never done a fast more than a few days. I don't know why Kurt didn't ask me to preach on fasting. I'm trying to do intermittent fasting. At least we have more material for that. But I've never fasted for 40 days or anything even close. But um, I think there is something significant that happened in this space of time alone with God where all of the chaos and all the calamity and all the things that were hounding at Elijah had time to settle. In the book, Barton says this is like she gets advised to start meeting with a spiritual director and she finds that somebody tells her your life is like river water. You're all shook up and you need to be still so all the stuff can settle because when we're still and when everything settles, I really believe that's where we hear God best. I think we hear God in the busyness too, right? I think we do. But I think when we're settled, there is something special that happens. And that's what I think we get out of this story in that 40 days and 40 nights. There's something special that comes in that word of the Lord. So he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I don't think it's like, what are you doing here? I think it's more like, why have you come? Tell me. I want to know. It's that invitation again. And Elijah, he replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I alone am left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I love this because even after all that time, right, he's gone through 40 days and 40 nights, and still what's true in his heart is, I have been zealous for you. I have loved you with all my heart, and I have done the job that you asked of me. I have done all that was required of me, Lord. And this, I, I, this is the truth of my story. This is where I'm at. He just pours his heart out. And then the Lord says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I think it's really important to pay attention to, there was all this natural stuff happening, like natural forces happening. And it's, you know, we can, it's symbolic, too, for the chaos and the pressure and the, all the things that mount and build and pull at us all the time. And there's all of this natural earthquake, fire, all of that. 
But then after all of that, a gentle whisper came. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak. That pulling his cloak over his face is a sign of reverence. That he recognizes who that is. And my experience in time alone with God, and which is, um, some of you are really much better at this, but in my experience in time alone with God and being in his presence, when all of the stuff is settled, all of the chaos, all of the things have quieted in me, I can hear God's voice so much clearer and to get direction for the next thing in my life or just to receive from him what I need him to say to me. And sometimes it's just, I love you. I'm pleased with you. And that's what I need to hear in that moment. There are so many noises in our day-to-day life reaching towards us all the time, trying to get our attention from the time that we wake up in the morning to the time that we hit our pillow at night. There are lots of places for us to spend our energy and spend our time, and there are lots of voices at us calling for our attention. But God is the only voice in our life, the only voice in our life, that will ever be enough, that will ever satisfy. He truly is. I'll tell you, my, I struggle with this so much. I, you know, on my phone, checking social media, checking emails, responding to people, all of those things. And you know what? When I live at that pace, I become super grumpy, and I'm not naturally a grumpy person, but I become super irritable and impatient and grumpy. That's probably not the word some other people in my family would use. I feel unappreciated. I feel like I'm trying to do all the things, and things aren't cooperating with me. And I reach more to grab more, to control more, and it slips through my fingers more. And I find that my days are so full that my time is just bleeding out. I have no margins. And I don't like myself. I find when I pass that girl in the mirror, I don't like who I see. But when I get still and get quiet, away with God, something inside of me receives what only God can give, and I come away from that better. I can let go of the things that are grabbing hold of me and the things that I'm trying to hold on to to control and the things that I'm worried about and the things that I'm afraid of. God speaks into those places in my heart, and sometimes there are no words at all that happen in this place. It's just a awareness of being in the presence of our holy God. And he's doing some work inside of me. I thought we could do a little practice of, um, I think we have enough time, right? I thought we could do a little practice from her book and um, 
this is a lot easier than maybe uh, going to pray for somebody across the room. So hopefully we can do this together. We're going to enter into a little time of silence. She encourages us to take some deep breaths. I told my friend Pam recently that I discovered that I hold my breath a lot. Kind of a weird thing, but I think it's a, a sign of anxiety in my life. Um, so we're going to take some deep breaths, and we're going to settle in. And we're going to become aware of God's presence, closer even than our breath. When you feel ready, hear God ask the question that he asked our friend Elijah. What are you doing here? Sit quietly with the question and allow it to penetrate all the way to the core of your being. Allow your response to this question to emerge from your heart without trying to edit it. Feel like the Lord is speaking to us in this space. And for some of you, an answer came probably quickly to the surface of your heart. I think sometimes, too, what happens in that silence is just um, emotions 
Maybe you don't have words for it. For me, it's been grief at times. Um, there have been times when it's been angry. Sometimes it's just been joy. <laughs> Sometimes it's been excitement because I've thought about the fact that I'm in the presence of the creator of the universe and he's choosing me. <laughs> and I think that's pretty wonderful. I want to encourage you to get out with the Lord alone and allow him the time and room with you, the space with you. Stefan and I went to Estes Park at the beginning of December. And the mountains are a sacred place for me. And I come to those mountain trips with super, super, super anticipation because I know, I know that God's going to talk to me. So in December, we went to Estes Park, just the two of us, and it was amazing. And as we hiked the mountains, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And I began to remember other hikes and other trips and in other seasons where those hikes were. And I remembered God's faithfulness there and God's faithfulness there and God's faithfulness there. The hikes being symbolic for seasons that we were in that were challenging, that were hard, and God was with us. And he was reminding me all of those different hikes in all of those different seasons of his faithfulness to us, and his faithfulness, and his faithfulness. And I just said, yeah, you, you have been so faithful, Lord. You've been so faithful. But this is the part that was so fun. He said to me, and you have been faithful, and you have been faithful, and you have been faithful, and you have been faithful. He said it back to me. And I think that's what he's saying to Elijah, and I think that's what he's saying to us here, is you live in a world that is so hard on your soul. And you have been faithful. And he is inviting you into the sacred with him. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over us. If you want more prayer, just how to walk this out. If you have any other things that you want to pray for, ask for prayer. Come up. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and be available to pray with people. I have one thing that I really want you to hear, and this, this was the thing that I thought, if I say nothing else, Lord, if nothing else gets heard, this is the thing I hope everybody hears. And it is that 
You are so incredibly loved by God. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to show up in any particular way except for right where you are, for who you are. He loves you completely with all your secret sin, with all your addictions, with all your shame, with the guilt, with all the places that you hide, all the things you're embarrassed to admit. He loves you completely for who you are, right where you are. No more, no less because of what you do or don't do. God just loves you. So Father God, I thank you for this community and thank you for making sense out of this conversation today. I thank you for my friends here who really are like family to me that allow me to come and be here with them. God, I pray that you would give us the um, desire to get away with you. And then, Lord, help us to be fierce about getting that time and space with you. God, help us to turn off and tune out all the things, Lord, that would hinder us from that, Lord, and just to journey into the sacred with you. I pray that we really would experience the transforming work that comes in that place with you, Lord. I bless you guys to go and do likewise. In the name of Jesus, amen.